Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View, or as it might be tonight, the Villa Spew, because I am not feeling good after yesterday's antics on the away day, as you'd have just seen on Twitter, a little bit too jazzy for me. But this is the purity post-match point, even just saying the word purity is making me feel very, very ill. I'm joined by Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, which I cannot believe I've got out of my mouth correctly. Neil, how are you? I'm okay. I'm a bit better than better today than I was yesterday. It was uh, like you. I I wasn't even drinking yesterday, but I felt a small bit hungover, um, <laughs> and I wasn't even doing. But uh, t- today is today. Today I'm feeling a small bit better. I watched back the game, and uh, I think the biggest piece for me is that uh, you you can see coachable points, you can see fixable points in it, and uh, just one of those days, unfortunately. Yeah, it's kind of diet. I wasn't really expecting. I can definitely say that I was not expecting to be going to Vicarage Road and sitting there and watching us 3-0 down at any point. I don't know whether I was overconfident. But Villa was certainly undercooked. I saw someone else use that word on Twitter earlier. Just didn't really look at the races from, from minute one. It was slow going forward, Neil, and also just just lethargic in, in, in every single way, really. it You know what? It reminded me of a game last season. I don't know. I think we might be back. Yeah, but it's just your mug on the screen, mate. It's just my mug in the screen still. I think we're there. Maybe we're there. Are we back? Can someone in the chat please let me know if we're back on air? We're back. Dean says we're back. Right, we're back. apologies yeah. for that. Hopefully you all like Neil's face because I tell you what, you've just spent about five minutes looking at it. So yeah, yeah Neil, absolutely. Neil, do you want to pick up where you left off? I'd say it's a great start to the season, honestly. Uh, Villa. Just, just like. Just like Villa's midfield at times yesterday, I went missing in action there. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was quite apt, really. But I was saying that it kind of reminded me. Parts of that game yesterday reminded me of when we played, um, when we played Brighton last season. Um, you know, it was one of those games we kind of. I'm not going to say we expected to win, but it was one of those games that we went into with our game plan, and they just came out with something in the first half that just completely blew us away. And the way that Brighton beat us 
last season was very similar and very symptomatic of the way that we were beaten yesterday. They overran us in midfield, and then what they did was they just shifted it out to the out to the to their right hand side. Um, they like target for the first goal was drawn completely forward, which is fine because that's we were in a position of attack when Buendia loses the ball. Um, we were in a position of attack, and uh, you know that's it, the the whole thing just stems from there. They were able to just literally leave a man out wide so that they could stretch us. Our midfield spacing was all over the place throughout the whole lot of the game yesterday, and that doesn't help our fullbacks. So it was just one of those games, I think, yesterday that uh, uh, I think if I had any other, if I had any kind of massive kind of concern over it was that it was, it was kind of like a rocket for the team. It was kind of, um, uh, you know, just kind of lads remember this is the league and it started again. And no matter who we play, if we, you know, they're going to have a game plan and, you know, we, we need to be ready for it. Yeah, I, mean, I fully expect Watford to still get relegated. I think we'll look back at that at the end of the season. I think that was a, a really bad result. I think we made them look good. But I don't see them doing anything particularly great in the Premier League this season. They'll be they'll be fishing around down the bottom. But as I say, we, we made them look good. And Matt, Matt Target will be the one who, who everyone looks at. And you've just said there were, ultimately, there was reasons for him have, having problems and getting overloaded down that side. He wasn't alone, but, you know, he looked, he didn't look fit, did he? At all, didn't I mean he hasn't played? Because he's had one in preseason, I think. Buendia, I think, might have only played one in preseason. You know, you've got if you mm. come in in the pre, against the Premier League and you're playing against a team whose players all looked fit, which Watford's did, you're going to be in trouble and you will you will lose goals and you can't give anyone a three 0 head start in the Premier League. That's completely true as well. And it's I suppose really when you think about it, I never really thought about the fitness factor because you just kind of expect athletes to be fit, you expect professionals to be fit, and 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 it's funny because when you say fit. Then there's there's then there's there's fit and then there's Premier League fit and there's mm. match fitness you know and obviously having a Sevilla game cancelled having the Nor- the Forest game cancelled and I know that they played two behind closed door friendlies when they were in London as well um and then obviously the the Salernitana game um but you know I suppose really they would have been gearing themselves up for maybe a games of bigger intensity. Uh, you know, the Forest game would have been one, I suppose, that they probably would have looked at. It was right smack bang in the middle of their schedule. And then obviously the Sevilla game was one where they would have gone up against the opposition and they would have probably looked at maybe playing a more, uh, a stronger squad uh, in that game. But uh, obviously it didn't work out that way. They had a semi-rigorous training in front of the fans on the Saturday and then they had the Saturnatana game. Um, uh, And when you're kind of going into a game like that, I suppose, you don't know what they're going to bring when they come over because uh, nobody's nobody knows what way the game is going to go and you're probably going to rest one or two players because you're going listen there could be a late challenge here from somebody who's a bit sour at having to play this game it wasn't wasn't one that was on their schedule so you know there's probably a lot of little intricacies but when you talk about fitness and when you talk about the I suppose the level of fitness um it's it's I'm not going to say it's concerning because I would say if you were to poll every single Premier League player no Premier League player feels fit in the first day of the season and mm. um, it's just none of them have to face up against Ishmael Asar for 45 minutes with no protection in front of them yeah unfortunate that they didn't get rid of him a year or so ago when they, when they got relegated and someone didn't take him off their hands because I did not enjoy watching him go up against us in, in that first half yesterday attacking the way end and we just didn't look comfortable the, the thing I noticed the most was the defense the back four they looked uncomfortable on the ball they also looked uncomfortable when they were being attacked, but that kind of fits in with what you were saying about, about the midfield being the problem before before we came on air. I mean, that, you know, if you haven't got anyone to pass to, you're going to look uncomfortable on the ball, and you end up. We lumped it forward a few times, and I just think 
we're lumping it in towards Danny Ings and Buender, you know, it's it's going to come straight back. And then when they're coming at you as well, we, we, look, we looked equally as uncomfortable in that situation as well. And the midfield just seemed to get bypassed so easily and Watford would be up against the, the back four or... Two on one, two on one with the overload. It was, it was just too many times. It was just a really uncomfortable afternoon. I remember last season, Dan, the two of us sat, sat here. I don't remember what game it was, but I remember we did a post match point, and it was when Barkley played in a flat midfield three. And I got I the sense yeah. of, I can't I remember, remember what game, game it was, but it would have been maybe in around March. It was we didn't before. know that flat midfield three at any point, did we? No, no, no. And uh, the first half, it, it tended to rear its head again, that flat midfield tree with Buendia. So what it looked like was Buendia, Marvellous and, and McGinn um, was, were more, more or less in a line. But what was what the really, really strange thing that I saw was happening, and, and, and I have a piece coming out on, on, uh, tomorrow, um, Marvellous Nakamba was breaking the line and going forward. Now, I'm not going to single out any player for, for criticism, but... I, I, I can't sit here and think that he was told to do that. Uh, just based on his skill set and based on what we know he does. Um, and if it wa- if that is a symptom of the flat midfield tree, whereby it's basically wherever the ball is, the man in the line ro- goes to meet the ball, That's that that didn't work for us. And that left our fullbacks very, very exposed. Um, John McGinn was... Like, John McGinn is the only one of those three, I think, that has the, the, the covering speed to, to get back and to get into those positions. Um for the first goal, when when the first goal went in, Nakamba didn't have the pace to get back. Somebody needed to get back onto Dennis. Um, McGinn broke his posterior to get back to get to Ismail Asar because Target c- couldn't get back. Um, it's just the spacing. Once again, the spacing in midfield was all over the place. McGinn was the was the nearest one to it, and he was able to get back and and. and get towards the crosser of the ball. But normally where Douglas Louise would be in, he's really, really good at retreating and filtering back to protect that D in front of the box, even at an, in a counter-attack. Nakamba didn't have the pace to do that. He didn't have the positioning to do it, and he was out of position, so he wasn't able to do it. And what happened was Dennis gets the ball, hits it off Kanza, and the ball comes back to him, and there's no one within the NASA's roar of him. And actually, as he strikes it in, you see Nakamba run towards the back post. For some reason, so I, I I'm not quite sure what the what way the spacing was set up. I'd love to sit down and see what the tactics board was beforehand. But um, if it was supposed to be a flat midfield tree, it really left our 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 uh, fullbacks exposed. And uh, if Nakamba was given license to go forward and to try and seek the ball higher up the field, um, it just didn't work. And, and and I'm not saying it was the wrong tactic to play. It just it just didn't work on this game. And maybe there will be some games when it does work. But but yesterday just wasn't it. Got to be honest, I don't, I'm not one for criticising team selections before games, and I, I, I didn't say anything on Twitter when I saw the team because I don't like being negative going to the game. But I looked at that team and thought, I'm not there's a few things I'm not sure about there. I mean, it's going to have been years since Ashley Young played on the flanks in the Premier League. You know, he's, he's been a fullback or a wingback in mm-hmm. recent years. He hasn't played as a, a winger for for a number of years now, and I just don't think Al Ghazi on the right hand side works. I don't think it suits him. He's better on the left. He likes to cut in, try a skill, get a shot away or whip across him. If you put him on the right-hand side, you're completely negating that. And when you looked at the the like positional heat map of, of where people spent their time, the average positions in the game, you know, El Ghazi was basically in, in a 10 position. But I don't remember him really picking up the ball in any of those spaces through through the game. But if you're going to do that, you need cash to then be bombing on. Even in the second half, I, mean, I saw Dean Smith absolutely go mental at Matty Cash at one point near the end of the game for not bombing on. 
there just seemed to be a, a reluctance to get forward. You know, with, with those two on the wings, I would have said you need your fullbacks to bomb on. But we saw when Target did it, they got caught out. And Watford just kind of put the fear into us a little bit. But what, what did you think of the team selection? Because I thought it was a bit of an odd team because we haven't seen Ashley Young play on the flanks at all in pre-season. And then there, there he is, day one Premier League, he's playing left flank. You know what? I, I didn't mind the team selection and I can understand why he was playing left flank. Because well, I you're think... wrong and I'm right now because we lost three to. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you broke up there slightly, so I didn't quite uh, understand. I said I can't. I, said, I can't bullshit this one. <laughs> I said. I said you're. I said you're wrong, and I'm right because we lost three two. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But uh, I think that the reason that Ashley Young was played there was was with the view of of uh, maybe trying to curtail Ishmael Asar. But you know there was no curtailing him. He he'd eaten oh. his Weetabix yesterday morning. He was he was just on form. Like um, there would have been very few full backs would have been able to like when he was in full flight, he was like a gazelle going down that lane. He was brilliant. I, I agree but... with that a little bit, but you know, I, I don't think he did anything that's that really special. You know, he's got a bit of pace, you know. Yeah, Newcastle next week. So Maximan's got pace and a, a bag of tricks, you know. If he, but, if, if, he, if you know, we shouldn't be in, tr- in trouble from just basic pace, and that, that was to me what it what it felt like. No, but I, I I think what he did was like he didn't make mistakes when he had his opportunities. Like how many times do we see maybe when, like I'm gonna say, what well, I'm gonna call El Ghazi. When El Ghazi gets the ball, he needs a couple of chances to score, a couple of chances to put a decent ball into the box. Sometimes, depending on what what they what side of the bed he gets out of, um, Ishmael Asar. Just what he needed to do, he did it. He was just on form. He was up for an opening day with a new crowd, with a, with a, a fresh crowd, I suppose, in, in Vicarage Road, all cheering him on. And, uh, you know, he was good. But, like, second half, he went out of it. When Ashley Young yeah, went I back... Yeah, in the back, second half. Yeah, Ashley Young marshaled him in the second half. And I think I think bringing on Jacob Ramsey made a big difference to the situation, yeah. too, because there's a bit of boldness in Jacob Ramsey. Um, and, and for the second goal, the third goal it was, actually, we... <laughs> We actually tried to tried to cleave down Kuchka. I think his name is Kuka Kuchka. Um, he was good. Mar- he was good. Yeah, he was a bit of an enforcer in the midfield. Yeah, it must be. I'd never seen him play before, and I thought, wow, he's he's big. He's not giving the ball away, and he's winning it back. We could do with someone like that. <laughs> yeah, and I think hopefully, hopefully, there's over the next couple of weeks we'll get somebody in there. But uh, first, marvelous had an, had, a, had a nibble at him. He stayed on his feet. Then Jacob Ramsey came in and tried to hit him a haymaker, and he stayed on his feet. And what happened was when Ramsey came in and tackled him, the ball squirts perfectly to Kuko, the guy who had just come on, Hernandez, behind Kanza. Kanza has to turn. Hernandez has an opportunity to basically, even if Kanza was getting back to him, Hernandez could stand him up and go inside, which he did. And that's a worldly. You know, that's that third goal yeah. is an absolute worldly. And, and and I know I'm probably guilty an awful lot, and I did it a lot last year of saying, well, Leeds beat us with some worldies, Southampton beat us with some worldies. But I think you got to call it out when somebody just hits an absolute rasp yeah. into the top corner. I've no problem with the third goal. No no problem mm. at all. And that's ultimately the one that really put the game away from us. But you can't be giving teams a, a head start. Let's go, let's go to the first goal. A constant unlucky. He's put himself yeah. in the right place. He's made a good block, and he's come. He's gone straight back to the to, to him, and he's he's tucked it away. Old old Dennis again, who I've not seen much of until yesterday. Martinez do a little bit better. Yeah, I think so. I think Birmingham Mail got it got it right when they said I don't. Uh, you know, they said he probably could have saved it. Um, I think he could have got close um, to him, wasn't it? It was. It was, and there was a man down the ground in front of him as well. But uh, it does go under him. Yeah, it does go under him. Second goal was uh, the deflections and lucky. I mean, stuff like that goes. Actually, you can't do much about it. But the way he got there again, 
was too easy. And we by that point that they'd been down that flank three or four times, and they looked like they were going to score every every time they came forward. They seemed to be able to just get inside us and get into the in in and around the penalty area just just way too easily. So yeah, the deflection was unlucky. But you've got to stop that at source, especially when you've already, you know, it's happened two or three times already before that goal he's got down there too easily. You've got to do something about that, whether it, whether it be the, the the staff change something up or whether the players realise, look, we're in a bit of trouble here, we need to adapt and do something. But didn't really feel like anything happened after it happened three times already. That was the one where Buendia, ball fed to Buendia on the edge of the area, five people converged on him and got the, got the ball from him. Villa had actually six people. Uh, in and around the box at that stage, I think. So it was. Uh, so basically, you know, it was it was ba- it was one on one all the way up the field. After that, that was a really lucky kind of get from Watford. I think Watford gambled there that they were going to be able to snuff out Villa and make them either force them wide or else kind of contain them from the centre. Um, I think I, I I don't think they feared Danny Ings. Um, from the point of view of the of uh, they knew that Villa would have to come and play the ball into him, and I think that they probably just sat in front of him. Um, and this is one of those those opportunities where boy Buendia, I know, picks it up, but he's trying to get it out from under his feet at the edge of the area. The ball breaks down, and I think it's cleverly just sweeps a ball out to the left once again to, to Sar. And, and I think that's what it was. They didn't have to think about where they were playing the ball. They just said, Ishmael Sar, you pull wide, you stay over there, sweep the ball out to him, very much like Leeds did last year with Jack Harrison, very much like... Um, like uh, Brighton did with, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Danny Welbeck. They just plank, plonked him on the right and, and, and just basically said, right, when we win the ball back, we'll break. And, and guess who else did it an awful lot last year? Aston Villa Football Club. You know, mm-hmm. when you win the ball, get it out to Jack Grealish as quick as possible and it allows your def- defence to set and it also allows your two or three midfielders to bomb forward. Dep- you are very much dependent on, on, the, on the winger holding the ball. But... It's it's a it's a tactic as old as time, and uh, it just it really works when it works. It really really works. It makes the defense look very very silly. But when it doesn't work, is uh, and it didn't work for Villa a couple of times when they tried to get the ball to Algazi quickly yesterday. Um, it made us look ponderous and kind of uh, idealist, I suppose, in attack at times in the first half. I mean, as I've said earlier, I was a few beers in, but it just felt to me with, with you talk about Ings and Brendaire, who were the two highest at the pitch. It felt to me like Brendaire was supposed to be playing off Ings. I, I could be completely wrong. It might have come across different, differently to you based on what you said earlier, but just felt they smothered us. Yeah. And it was, I felt like it was very easy to do that, very easy to smother us and, and overwhelm us. And it does, it's one of those patterns that, you know, you remember we played Palace at the back end of last season and we, like, we lost 3 2 as well. It feels like we come up against a team who are a bit physical and put themselves about us. We don't really have an answer to it. That's a great comparison, I think, actually, because, you know, their midfielder, uh, their, that midfielder, Kuchka, was kind of very like Milievich and yeah. the, the, the Crystal Pass. I can't remember if he was even playing last season, but, you know, they have that one guy who just gets in there and just is like, he's like a big brother playing football, you know. He's not there because he's the best footballer, but he's there to kind of, like Milievich, he's there to kind of put his foot in it, calm it down. And and be a bit of a bully inside there. And we we don't have that marvelous Nakambas five foot nine, John McGinn five foot nine, Emmy Buendia five foot seven. You know we didn't have that enforcer inside there. And he brushed off those two tackles, one from marvelous Nakamba and one. In fairness, Ramsey took him down, but the ball squirted out to the left uh, for the third goal, as I said. But uh, you know maybe a bit of a bit of a bruiser in midfield. And I'm not saying that he needs to come in and play every single game. But, you know, horses for courses situation, if Dean Smith had somebody that he could bring on at half time or even even, you know, 
and I think Dean Smith might need to get ruthless in certain games this season uh, to, to change tactics because we've got so many options that maybe you hook somebody after 25 minutes. Um, you know, we've seen it an awful lot from the top managers and, and, and maybe that happens again this season if we do get somebody uh, and we need a destroyer, but we need to get one into the, into the team first and we need to get one in there. But I suppose the biggest thing for me is if we do get another midfielder in there, Dan, and, and I'm going to ask you a question. If we do get not another to, midfielder, not to die now. <laughs> if we do get another midfielder in there, that might mean that we need to drop a thirty million pound player, and that's never happened in Aston Villa before. Oh, I think we want to play four four two, don't we? But you know, we couldn't play. I mean, there are two excuses for yesterday that you could offer. One, your top scorer from last season's not not playing, and he's really the one that set the tone. You know, he didn't mm. really miss a game last season. I think he only missed one game all season through a, a nothing suspension that should never have happened, but. His press was missed. He he sets the tone for the team. He chases a lot, a lot of lost causes, wins a lot of balls that he's got no right to, to win. So you've lost him who set the tone that entire season. I'm not answering your question here at all, by the way. It's okay. You've also lost, you, you know, Villa, Villa don't seem to be able to win too many football matches without Jack Grealish. And people are going to say again yesterday, we can't win without him. Man City can't win with him. So, um, that's true. That's you know. True. Uh, that's 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 my go-to until Man City start putting a run together. That's going to be my go-to. Man City can't win with it. We can't win with Grealish. But uh, look, I, it's, well. I, I'm 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 going to say the last 15 minutes when we had Bertrand Troy on the right wing and we had Leon Bailey on the left wing, we were a completely different animal. Like they were they were scared. And I know I don't want to say this because I do want to say it, and it's me trying to probably clutching at straws. But I think if that sort of game goes on for another another five seven minutes I think oh, we get yeah. another goal because oh, I yeah, think we yeah. had him on the ropes like that the, the foul for the penalty was a tired Watford foul I think the Bertrand Troy if, if we if, I think Bertrand Troy probably would another would have won another penalty because he was driving at mm-hmm. that uh, at that left back and he was making life difficult for them I haven't seen it back but should Cash have gone down there's one afterwards where it felt very much like he should have gone down at the oh. time I could be completely wrong straight after I can't remember. He stayed, stayed on his film. Obviously not. Then if nothing was made on it on the on the feed that you watched, yeah. then obviously we didn't. But everyone in the in the away end was going mad, saying he should have gone down. Why, why didn't he go down? I was watching the the feed. I had had Dutch commentary, so um, oh, okay. uh, maybe they did make a massive deal out of it. But uh, unfortunately, I need to drink Steve McLaren for uh, a, a few lessons in Dutch, but it didn't you've, happen. I mean, you've touched on the subs. I would go as far as to say the three subs were our three best players. Yeah, 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 and, and John McGinn. I think John McGinn was very good. I think, like, I watching it back in the second in, on a second viewing, he did he did absolute dog's work inside the midfield. He was fantastic. Uh, the amount of, amount of ground he covered, yes, he was he was chasing the ball as opposed to getting in positions to win it. But he never like literally that's what you get from John McGinn. John McGinn's never said die. He's he's not going to give up. And and some people see that as a negative, but like. I, I I myself think the very first goal he is trying to attain, atone for somebody else else's mistake, um, and that that can be a bit difficult at times, and you know sometimes that can make you look like the bad guy. Uh, but his goal was an absolute banger. Like, how do you even take that with your left foot on the half volley? That's yeah, great goal. That's just that's just crazy stuff. I'd love to have celebrated it. I didn't celebrate either goal. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I'm almost more annoyed at losing three two. I'd rather. Yeah. I think I feel like I'd have rather lost three 0 in some in some ways. I know a few people that actually left at three 0 I won't name any names, but yeah, look at look at yourself in, in the in the mirror, lads. I won't. I definitely won't name the names I was going to then, but but I won't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'll just say it wasn't Dolan. He was, was sat next to me before people think that's what I'm going on about. But you know, you get back to three to, to three two. It's almost more annoying. And I've gone on a way on an away day, the first one for, for bloody ages. I'm celebrated anything. I've just been annoyed. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's like it's it's it's. But I I I put out a tweet afterwards, and and for me, I think it was just it was a frustrating game. For obviously, for you, you were there, and for for everyone else that was there, it was uh, it was a frustrating game. And for everyone who watched it on TV, I think the players will get a small bit of heart for it because. Like, it's not like players walk around the place and go, oh, he was absolutely brilliant in the first half. They'll know that things didn't go right in the first half. They'll know what they did wrong. And and, and I don't think Dean Smith went in and patted anyone on the head and said, hard luck. He he kind of came out and he kind of told it like it was in the the press conference afterwards. And to be honest with you, yes, I am a Dean Smith stan and I'm going to sit here and I'm I'm going to defend him quite a lot. But I don't think he needs defending an awful lot from yesterday because... I think the game plan just didn't work. I, I I think the game plan wasn't executed. Yes, it may not have worked, but it certainly wasn't executed the way it was supposed to happen. And then you're 2-0 down at halftime. You know, he makes the changes at halftime. Um, you know, some people were saying that the, that the uh, bringing on of Jacob Ramsey was an absolute heads gone moment. It turned out, like, within the first six minutes of him coming on, he was our best player. And oh, then Leon Bailey comes in, whips one in for John McGinn, and Bertrand Troy wins a penalty. So I think there's a lot of learnings. I think there's a lot of ad- adaptation that Dean Smith during, actually did during the game, specifically at second half. And, and I think in the second half, we just, we were, we were a better team in the second half. But when you've got a two goal cushion away from home, uh, or playing at home when Watford had a two goal cushion playing from home, you know it it takes a damn good team to kind of to kind of break down that and villages ran out of time I think at the at the end because Watford I feel I genuinely feel we're running out of steam. Yeah, you've you've touched on him a little bit. Leon Bailey came on and I think it was after an hour he came on looked very good to me. He looks like he's the one who's going to be the go to guy in the sense of you need something to happen like we did with Jack. You give Leon Bailey the ball. He's going to win freeze too. Which so we're we're not going to lose out in the free the free kick stakes. So Austin McPhee is still going to have his hands full, um, with 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 drawing up bits and pieces, um, absolutely. You know we played him on the left. Uh, he's actually played more on the left than he has played on the right for Leverkusen. Yes, his best seasons have come from the right, but um, you know I think that was more so from the point of trying to keep. The team somewhat balanced, especially when Traore came on. But yeah, he's he's a direct runner. You know, his cross was very good. He picked out John McGinn. That wasn't a nameless cross. I think a lot of the times when Algazi gets the ball and 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 when our fullbacks get the ball, they Ooh, they there was they, some aimless crosses in that game. I, I think I think Jesus. more so. Yeah, I I think the cross to. I, I think there was more of a, a case of not being used to Danny Ings or Danny Ings not being used to them. And I think mm. we crossed to a position where a player should be or where a player should get into. And I think there was a lot of miscommunication there potentially um, from, from the striker. But then again, Danny Ings is Danny Ings is forte. He isn't getting his head on the ball at the, at the back post. You know, that's, that's not his, really his game. I'm going to say something here, Dan, and I'm sure the, the, the chat might go a small bit mad, but... I wouldn't have been adverse at some stage if there was if we could have made more substitutions to go on four four two and bring a Wesley on because someone to go up there and throw a couple of elbows at those three big brutes that they had in in the centre half positions would have been pretty decent I think and I think Ings would have thrived off it but you know um, it it just it just wasn't to be and and uh, look there's going to be games where we're going to need to kind of front up the kind of guys like that if we're not able to pass through the middle and and uh, and, and and maybe maybe that's Maybe if Wesley does stay around, he that's that's going to be his, you know, his his uh, his his part of the team. Impact sub, impact, yeah, to literally make an impact on someone's forehead. Um, I would say though, if you're not coming on in that circumstance against Watford, you're probably not going to see much football. 
just yeah. to, you know, off, the top, off the top of my head, you know, you're number nine, he's not coming on when you're, when you're chasing a game at, at somewhere like Watford. Is he going to play that much? Yeah, well, uh, well I, I think maybe another thing is when you have to make the early substitution for Jacob Ramsey, do you kind of go, well, look, we already have a £30 million striker mm-hmm. that gets goals anyway in there, and, and yes, he got his penalty, and I think that's very good from a from a, a sports yeah, psychology point of mark. view for him. The mark. But do you, do, you, do you bring on your wingers to try and be more creative to get the ball into somebody who has the most Premier League goals behind Salah and uh, and, and Harry Kane over the last two seasons, um, or do you bring in Wesley? Uh, I think if Wesley was coming on I think it would be probably at the behest of Bertrand Troy but as we know Bertrand, Bertrand caused them a lot of problem, yeah. problems when three he sub, came on three subs are good that's something Dave's yeah, absolutely. Before, but yesterday three subs you know guys not great to have to use them to try and turn a game that's what they're there for the three subs he, he utilised did all did well as I say yeah. I think they were the three of his players personally mm. yeah, yeah well, I agree yeah that's as much else for us to unpick, unless there's anything blatant I'm missing that you can think of now. I, I, there's one thing. I, I'm loving the standard of refereeing this season. Yeah, good. Oh, I had one more thing as well. The refereeing, yes, very good. Also, will say, you know, a lot of home teams weren't having the, having the crowds back. Again, it's a bit of a cop out, but I did think that th- that this weekend a lot of the teams playing at home would win, and it it turned out to be true. A few that you wouldn't expect as well. A few very convincing. So I think that first game back in front of a, a full house, having your own fans, probably does help as well. Yeah, and uh, I, I can't remember seeing VAR being used in a game so far this season. You know, oh, which is yesterday in the ground. Yeah, they, the lines seem to be a bit thicker and stuff for the offsides and, and that this season as well, so that's good. I think there seems to be a more relaxed tone in the referee yeah. for the first week, so maybe we'll do these shows and not have to talk about the referees and VAR like we did every single week when we were watching from home, <laughs> so that'll no doubt be a positive thing. Let's end it there. Sorry for the technical difficulties at the start of the show. Thank you ever so much to Neil for joining me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm sure you'll be on again soon. We'll have a podcast on midweek at some point. Keep your eye on our socials, and we'll let you know when that's coming, and then we'll be back for a post-match point the day after the Newcastle game. So next Sunday, probably around the same time as we have done this week. Fingers crossed this time we'll get to talk around, around three points rather than a disappointing defeat. Thank you to Purity as well for sponsoring us. If you do want to get 10% off all their goods, then if you use the code hashtag VillaView, you'll be able to do exactly that. And thank you to them because they'll be sponsoring our post-match shows throughout the whole season. Thanks ever so much for watching as well. If you'd like to subscribe to the VillaView with your post notifications on, that would be absolutely fantastic. Something I usually forget to say every week, so I've got off to a good start this time on the post-match points. Hope you all have a good week. Look out for the podcast midweek of the Villa. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.